It's all the Disney movies you've never heard of before in the animated canon, except Dinosaur. Today on Writers Get Animated, stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling and animation and the history of Disney. I can't do with an upturned like snooty nose enough. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. So today it is part two of our canon in Disney. Um, and we're talking <laughs> about the next era of Disney. So to recap, our first era starts with Snow White, the piece de triomphe to kick it all off, followed by several good Disney movies. Um, Triangle Falls. Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi, Fantasia. And then this kind of this hard turn and Disney says, you know, it'd be fun. Let's make some anthologies based on music that are pretty experimental and help us push our technical craft forward. Also, this is the time it's in the 40s and they don't have as much money as they used to. And or animators because they've been drafted into the war. <laughs> so actual fact. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, what are you gonna do when you don't have the resources, human or otherwise? <laughs> that you had before when you created. And as you said, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, and Bambi. Like, where do you go from there? Well, apparently you go to Saludos Amigos. Yes, you go to South America. Because... Three times. <laughs> because... Go ahead. You were about to say I something. mean, to be fair, economically, economically, I feel like in the mid-20th century... Mexico and South America were seen as like this, how we see China now. Like this is the next economic like opportunity for brands to expand into. And it was really big in terms of what the United States government was trying to um, get into in terms of learning about South American culture. And in part of the reason why we have Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros is because the U.S. government paid for Disney and his animators to go down to South America and do a tour to say, look, you guys love Mickey Mouse, right? Here's Walt Disney. Be nice to us. Um, and also Walt Disney's like, well, since we're down here, Let's do some research since we're getting funding. Like like you do when you get a grant from somewhere. Like, oh, I guess I should probably do some homework about this place and see what we can generate and get some work. And that anecdote sounds a lot like the story trust now, like with Moana. Like, you guys have to go to the Pacific Islands for a number of weeks. Like, uh, if we have to. <laughs> I guess. Uh... And what's really cool is there's actually a, a good documentary about this called Walt and El Grupo, which was made in 2008. That's what they called them in all the newspapers when they did this huge visit. And it goes through to talk about the 10 weeks that they spent in 1941 gathering all this story material. So Walt and El Grupo, it's a really good one. Worth seeing. Yeah. And I guess when you have a life-changing experience like that in South America, 
And I know I've said Mexico and South America. I I haven't seen any instances of talking really about Central America, so I'm not forgetting Central America. Right. (laughs) It's that Walt Disney did. (laughs) Um, So then you make three of your next seven movies partly about Brazil. Yes. Yes, you do. And each of these is, as you were saying, it's like an anthology. If we look at the, the movies that are in this period of the Disney canon. And part of the reason why we're doing this is to show how diverse in style and tone and story that the Disney canon actually is. People say Disney and they're like, oh, it's just the princess movies. Or, oh, it's just Bambi. It's like, no. Even within this segment, there's huge experimental turns and there's what you would consider, quote, traditional Disney in here. You know, it's yeah. it's really difficult to see just how far they were advancing. Um, anyway, the, the films in this segment go Saludos Amigos in 1943, The Three Caballeros in 1945, Make Mine Music in 1946, Fun and Fancy Free in 47, Melody Time in 48, and The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad in 1949. Which I always forget was a movie, except when I was a kid and went to Disney World and there was that Ichabod and Mr. Toad ride, and I couldn't figure out what it was from. I had no idea. Yeah, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, you're like, what is this about? Because it wasn't really something that get, got released. They didn't call it Mr. Toad, and they didn't call it Wind in the Willows. It was just Ichabod and this guy. And it, it's like, oh yeah, it was about this. I think I, I recently watched... Ichabod and Mr. Toad a couple months ago with with Jack. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, right. And that happened. Like, it's really crazy stuff that they that they put in there. I will say, like, doing this this podcast series on the history of the Disney animated canon, I'm feeling inspired to, like, round out my knowledge and watch all the Disney movies that I haven't seen. Which is good. I hope that people start to see like, well, that sounds interesting or that sounds really crazy. I should, I should probably check it out because this is the really crazy period. Yes. Spoilers. (laughs) If you're like, well, what was Disney like in the forties when they were just like playing around with things technologically and story wise, this is their experimental period. So you're going to see some really weird stuff in this. Really weird and stuff. Technologically and metaphysically, <laughs> I think that these are all really cool, interesting ideas. And like seeing this history of Disney about how they're pushing the technology of animation forward, a lot more of like Disney thematically as a company makes sense. They're like, oh, let's buy Star Wars, like another like film franchise that has pushed technology forward in filmmaking. Oh, mm-hmm. I see how these are related now. Yes. And everyone. There was a lot of question when, as you were saying, in like the modern era where it's like, ah, oh, Disney's doing computer animation now. They've lost their soul. It's like, no, their soul has always been about technology and the storytelling together. Really, they're getting back to the heart of the soul. That whole Disney renaissance of traditional animated movie musicals, like they weren't doing anything new there, really, <laughs> except right. like the really weird 3D lava chase in Aladdin. Right. Yeah. Which ages about as well as the Phantom Menace battle scene. Oh, hush. 
<laughs> I love Aladdin, not the lava scene. <laughs> One might say the Super Nintendo version of that scene looked better than the movie. Oh, the the Sega Genesis version definitely did. Um, <laughs> but it it's back to this period in time, 1943 to 1949. This is a longer period because this is it's about well, I guess it's about six years, but. It's just a lot of, it's a diverse array of style that you see in this. Um, Yes. It's like way back before they had these, they had their silly symphonies and that played around with music and technology. And then they also did Fantasia as their third film where they showed you, here's what we do with music and here's how we can get it generated. And then they started doing that, but that's what they were releasing to the public. You know, it's like, uh, we're just going to smash all of these together. And the theme is things we made this year. (laughs) Here you go, is what it feels like. Um, Yeah. And a lot of them, I think, aren't recognizably Disney until like in Three Caballeros. um, No, not Three Caballeros. Melody Time has like a Donald Duck segment at the end. It's like, oh, Donald Duck. No, wait, that makes sense. <laughs> Why is Donald Duck? In, how did they get the rights to use Donald Duck in this? Basically, like <laughs> Disney would have never agreed to put Donald Duck in something. So like slapstick and put together. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> but at this time they were they were doing they didn't have the resources to do Here's our full-length film. Here are the shorts. It's, well, we can make these shorts, and if we tack them together, we can create a full-length feature. And that's the only reason these get away with being part of the Disney canon in terms of being full-length animated features is Mm -hmm. they got lumped together. Now, in my experience, as I experienced each of these, I didn't really experience them in their anthology forms. I always got them as this piece from this um, on its own. Even the Three Caballeros and Saludos Amigos, here's this portion of it, and you get to see that. And so it was really weird and jarring to watch them as they were presented originally in with everything else. As an example, in... Make Mine Music, they have Casey at the Bat. And I always knew that just as Casey at the Bat, like on its own. They would show that on the Disney Channel on its own. And then to see it like, oh, that's in this too? What? It's just really jarring to see, oh, wait, and Peter and the Wolf is in this? Oh, my God. Like, it's like, what are they doing? What is, what is this all about? Like, how is there another thing in this? So, but it's, it's a little bit also doing the Fantasia, but for quote, popular music. So you have jazz long before Fantasia 2000 puts a jazz piece in. So you have Mm -hmm. jazz and orchestral and symphony music. And as we said, you get some opera in there a little bit, but it's, it's really jarring. It doesn't go to, it doesn't go together thematically, except that they bill at least make mine music as here's a concert and here's the program of the concert. 
now we're doing a piece about this. So yeah, we- some some of them tie things together better than others. Like Three Caballeros, I think, has like an overarching. I use story lately here, but story. <laughs> yes. That at least makes it feel like they're all related. <laughs> well, can I ask you, have had you seen Three Caballeros before now? I've not seen any of these seven movies before now. Oh I've my goodness. Of, I think oh, I've only heard of Three Caballeros and like I vaguely knew of Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad through the ride. <laughs> um, and so Three Caballeros, I'm like, cool, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to see this like adventure old timey Disney movie about Donald and his other two <laughs> nameless friends who've been lost to time. Um, and I sit down like, okay, Donald's opening presents. And now we're in this half hour short about a penguin and Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> like I, my, my assumptions about three Gabieros were way, way off. I think <laughs> three Gabieros is ripe for remake, which I, I want to talk about a little bit later, but. I just want to say that I think your idea of Donald Duck having this adventure and either meeting these characters for the first time or saving them or, you know, going to South America and Mexico to get his friends out of there. I feel like there's a Tarantino-ish family movie (laughs) that could be created out of Three Cabrieros where... Donald Duck goes to South America and Mexico to like save his friends. I mean, I was just going with like there could be an episode of DuckTales. Okay. Or it could be an episode of DuckTales. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with realistic ways that they could re- redo this. Um, and the interesting <laughs> fact is while um, Jose Carioca and Planchito Pistoles have been lost to time, they recently remade their outfits, their costumes, I'm sorry, their characters for Disney World. Um, and so they do exist there now again for the first time in like multiple decades. And they are actually, um, the characters of Jose and Panchito are actually in rides. So there's a ride that's been redone at Walt Disney World where you see the three caballeros in animation, new animation, like flying around on their magic sarape. Um, oh, which yeah. Is, which is interesting. So you see them going through that, and it's like, hey, this is the, I think it's somewhere in Epcot, possibly. But that and, sounds right. And then they have also, they're in um, It's a Small World. In the Mexico section, you see the three caballeros there because they took when they redid or I don't th- want to say they redid, but when they refurbished, that's what I mean, refurbished. Um, it's a small world. They added things like, oh, we're in we're in the Middle East. Here's Agrabah and Aladdin and Jasmine. And it's like, OK. What? So when you get to Hawaii, you see like Lilo and Stitch and things like that. You're like, that's not the point of it's a small world. It's not, it's a small Disney world. It's a, it's a small world. Look at the diversity around us. No, you don't understand the Disney part of it's a small Disney world that's in brackets. So it's like, it's, it's the unspoken word. It's a small Disney world. Yeah. After. It's a small Disney world. After. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like Kevin Nealon. It's doing this like subliminal thing. It's like, see, we're Disney, everywhere. Disney, Disney, Disney. <laughs> but then they have to keep updating it. Put like Moana in there. And then they have to do like add the internet as a continent they go to and put Wreck-It Ralph there. <laughs> Here's an arcade. <laughs> the 80s. That's a, that's, a, that's a country, right? That's a world. <laughs> the Goof Troop. <laughs> Which was 90s, but very much looked like the 80s. Let's be real. I think they started animating it in the 80s and then it got, <laughs> then it got released. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, yeah. Back to Three three Caballeros. I almost said Three Amigos, which is a different film um, altogether. But Three Caballeros, you have... Um, you've They've also come back recently in animated form in an episode of Mickey and the Roadster Racers. And they were actually pretty funny in that. It was cool because they're like, hey, we're going to be performing in Spain. And there's a there's a car race in Spain that Donald's going to be part of. So they try to make them part of the Disney, like, overall meta canon. Wait, they went to to Spain? They were on tour and they were going to be on tour in Spain. And so they had a Brazilian and a Mexican there? Yeah. So they were going to go there and Donald was going to be in. Wait, wait. I know problems <laughs> and Donald was going to be there, but Donald ate some like really spicy dish and lost his voice. But thankfully Daisy knew all the songs and could sing like Donald's part in three caballeros and take over in the concert. What songs did they sing? Three caballeros, three gay caballeros. Oh they yes. Right. They say we are birds of a feather. With three You're doing your best, like, this is like the Chris Leva Kaja Fall rendition of Three Caballeros. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. With three happy chappies, with snappy serapes, you'll find us beneath our sombreros. Uh, I just, oh. I, I can't see anything but, um, <laughs> what's his name? Uh, it's gone. Oh, are you, you're talking about Agador Spartacus? Is that? Yes. Are you? <laughs> wow. So you're, you're, you're comparing my performance of the Three Caballeros to Hank Azaria in the, bir- Spartacus. In yes. the birdcage? Yes. I don't like that. I do not like it at all. I do not Wait, wish. Is that, that's Hank Azaria? Yeah, that's Hank Azaria. You didn't is that, know that what Hank Azaria then plays like the gay roommate on Simpsons later? Is that where that comes from? That's where it comes from. Uh, <laughs> it happened today on our podcast about <laughs> representation of well, I don't know what this podcast anyway, here's, is here's Spanish speaking Chris O'Dowd to get us on track bueno <laughs> I know know <laughs> <laughs> I'm Latino, so that makes that one okay. Um, moving, let's let's talk a little bit about this because, as you were saying, these are anthologies, and Saludos Amigos, and um, the Three Caballeros are the only ones that have a semblance, as you were saying, of overarching story that ties them together. They try to have an overarching story somehow that brings them together. So, what was the story? Of the three caballeros. 
So three caballeros, it's Donald's birthday, which is apparently Friday the 13th for some reason. Um, not sure why that was included dramaturgically. Um, so it's Donald's birthday, and he gets these presents from his friends in South America, uh, which includes Mexico for some reason. Thanks, 1950s America. Sorry, 1940s America. And he's America lightly here. United States looking at you, specifically. Um, anyway... So it's Donald's birthday. He gets his, his presents from his friends in South America. Um, and he opens these presents to learn about other birds. Because there are other birds besides him. And I his know, cousins. It's hard to believe. but he, he, Yeah, he gets the penguin story. And then the Jose Carioca Brazil story. And then they meet up with Panchito Pistoles. And Jose's still there, I guess? Yeah. Jose, he doesn't really talk in the third story, but he's there. And uh, then they do some live action sequences with some big uh, Mexican actors of the time, and we're good. Yeah. That's right. What's interesting about this and, and some of these others is that it does bring in live action as well. And those are some of the most confusing parts of the Three Caballeros, <laughs> I think. Yes. It's just like, why is this happening like this? And. You start to get the feeling that, hey, we're down here. They shot some video and decided to animate Donald Duck on top of it. Like, Well, from a technological standpoint, <coughs> sorry, it made me cough. I was so surprised. Um, I can see why they did it, and it's a challenge, but it just ultimately doesn't look good. Like, we talked about Roger Rabbit and the whole bumping the lamp in one of our previous podcasts a while ago and how animation and live action mixed together for really satisfying ways. And here it's literally like just Donald Duck and Jose Carioca, like animated on top of live action sequences. Yes. There's no, nothing satisfying or interactive about it. No, there's no weight. They're like barely standing on things. It's their proportions are wrong. The perspective is like, what plane are you in? Is it the background? Is it the foreground? Sometimes they're four feet tall. Sometimes they're like two feet tall. Like you can't really, it's like, how tall are these ducks and, and birds? Because he's a, he's a karaoke. So yeah. he's not. Yeah, a, so there's, oh, is a karaoke a thing? So it's a like parrot. a, it's like a parrot. Okay. So we got a duck, a parrot like thing and a road runner. He's a, he's a rooster. I mean, he's I guess a, that makes sense. He's a rooster. That fits with the whole Mexico thing. Yeah. Rooster. Total total rooster. Okay. That's... So, yeah, that's the story of Three Caballeros. <laughs> and it it is problematic in many ways. If you're going to watch this film now, um, here's what I would love to see. I would love to see people of, you know, from Brazil or people from Mexico, somebody of Latino descent of some kind, do something with these characters to actually show the culture. Because it feels very much like outsiders showing and explaining culture to other outsiders. Yeah, it's very small world, like, look how different this is. Let's focus on all the very different things. Whereas, like, Lilo and Stitch are like, here's the traditional, like, 
dancing that's done in Hawaii, but also like here's the day-to-day existence of those dancers like outside of their tourist performances. Right. And I think they're one of the striking moments for me in Three Caballeros is when they have the dance sequence and they're trying to show these traditional dances and you're and they're they just show Donald just being the idiot American mm-hmm. and and like dancing and doing jazz and you have the very nice looking Latina there like okay I guess we're gonna do this with with this really white duck let's <laughs> let's try to figure this out and she has like the most pleasant face and he's just doing dumb things because he's like you know I don't really want to do your dance your way I'm gonna show you my moves and it's like uh, okay Donald I guess that's silly yeah because I know the audience isn't or wasn't the South American people. Wasn't it, it though, to a certain degree? To, I mean, yes, it was, but yeah, I don't I mean, know. It did, it did premiere in Mexico City before the United States. It did. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. It did I premiere. I saw it from the note that Chris wrote down, audience. I didn't know that <laughs> off the top of my head. And... But the other thing that's striking about it is things that they're they're explaining aren't big things. They're not big cultural things. Um, I did enjoy hearing about how Mexico, why Mexico City, um, why Mexico's flag has an eagle with a serpent, and you know, you you get this explanation of here's the flag, and here's mm-hmm. why that's the symbol of the flag. It's like. You know, you will build the new city where you see this bird killing a serpent. But they found it, but it was on a tree, on a rock, in the middle of in the middle of a lake. So how'd they find the bird? That's my question. <laughs> I don't know. Dramaturgical issues with mythology. <laughs> and then then they go through and they start explaining like Christmas traditions of Mexico, and I'm like Christmas traditions? Like, what are we... What? Why are we talking about Las Posadas? Like, what? Are, what's happening here? <laughs> Las Posadas? What, what, why are we talking about Christmas stuff? It's... I feel like the writers... Mm-hmm. Were there writers? <laughs> <laughs> the storytellers of the film. The storytellers, which might have just been animators piecing together fun, cool things that they found out, um, which is, this is like a, an elementary school book report of an animated movie. I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> like, It's a book report of like, I read this, and then I read this, and then I read this, and then I read this. Yeah. These are the things that we thought were interesting. Isn't it cool? Um, but it's not fun to sit through like an hour and a half of things that somebody thought was interesting. <clears throat> And there are redeeming moments. Like, I, I wrote down those those two really cool things that I liked in Three Caballeros. Like, just technically and animation wise, this one moment where Jose Carioca has like these purple and blue backlights on him. Oh yeah, that looks very satisfying. And then there's a sequence where Donald is like stuck in a sound wave. Yes, they're really cool. Yeah, that part, and then he becomes the pinata. Yeah. That part, yeah. That's a you just see it the way he's being animated in his bill and everything. It just looks so beautiful. 
I, I do love that sequence. I felt like that sequence was um, talking about what they learned about tequila without saying the word tequila. <laughs> uh, but I still liked it. <laughs> it's, it is, as they say in Spanish, trippy. <laughs> uh, okay, Chris. I'm sorry, that's a joke from my dad. As they say in Spanish, let's get out of here. <laughs> so now, now I've like evolved into my taking over my dad's jokes and making them on in my own. But <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out the, the the main thing that I always had a problem with as a kid watching this as a child, like. I felt like I was learning a little bit about my culture in Three Caballeros. Like, oh, that's interesting. I get to learn about the Mexican culture. Nice. And then I can talk to my grandma about, you know, <laughs> hey, grandma, I learned about Las Posadas. And she's like, yeah, don't, we've told you about this. <laughs> yeah. But now I listened because it was animated. But Donald told me. Donald Duck told me. Like, now it's sunk in. Because um, a cartoon duck made it relevant to my my interests, uh, but I think for me the thing that, the issue that I had was the women. Yes, even as most a kid, of these movies, I think even as a kid, I had an issue with women. Not like, not <laughs> just women the, in this movie specifically, right? Not just the portrayal of them, but the way that the male characters interact with them. But again, I feel like it's a book report. Like, look what I learned about beautiful women of the world. Yeah, I mean, it's like it. It, it advances the idea of the <laughs> Latinas being like hyper beautiful and exotic and it's like you have Carmen Miranda's sister in there and like you say they sing this song which is solamente una vez but they translate it as you belong to my heart so that's not what that means at all no it's it's not what it means at all solamente una vez you belong to my heart it's like we just need more syllables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was just like, what is this song? And you just see Donald staring at this woman in this animated sky as she sings. And he's just falling in love. And then later there's a sequence on the beach where he's running after women in their bathing suits. Yeah, they're like all on a plane, like scaring women in bathing suits. I don't know. Yeah, they're on their their flying serape, and he's like going after them, and he's like charging them, and they like fall over, and oh gosh, and then they capture him into this blanket and throw him up, and do it's like, what is happening? Like, why is Donald Duck like ha ha ha? And there's like a whole sequence where he's thinking of these women, and there's a male voice just going. Pretty girls, pretty girls, pretty girls. And it's just and like, is, what am I watching? This is also like this. It's not just Donald Duck, though. The same time period in animation gave us like Tex Avery and, and like the Lusty Looney Tunes shorts and things like that. <laughs> Which is true. I mean, that is This was a cultural problem, not a Three Caballeros problem. 
Right. But it is really, I think in Three Caballeros, it's a little more striking because it's real women. Mm -hmm. It's not an animated version of a woman. It is live action video (laughs) of a woman and Donald Duck going like, hey, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) Let's, Let's go have some RTS, beautiful girl. Some weird animated duck on live action woman suggestive themes. It's, it's, yeah, it's like if Roger Rabbit were in love with Jessica Rabbit, but it was a live action woman. Maybe that's why Jessica Rabbit's animated. Exactly. That's exactly why Jessica Rabbit's animated. Because it's weird. (laughs) It's, It's so weird and wrong. Now, if it were like, Animated animal and live action human, that's wrong. Animated animal and animated human, that's okay. Yeah. They have something in common. Yeah. The, <laughs> it's all right for some reason. There's bend and stretch there. It, it works out. And, and I don't know if it's the fact that Donald was... It's not that he was attracted to women. It's, <laughs> this is going to get weird. I hope not. <laughs> I hope it doesn't get too strange. It's already weird. I know. I know. But hey, go watch Three Caballeros and you tell us that we're off base. I dare you to go on Twitter and tell us that we're off base about the depiction of women in Three Caballeros. But it's not just that Donald Duck goes after women. It's that he's lusting after women. And when you're a little kid seeing this Disney anime movie, you don't care about the live action part. You're going to stare at the animated characters. So you're not like seeing their interaction all. You're just seeing Donald Duck's attitude towards women in this movie. Yes. Um, It's just so weird. Like I said, even as a kid, I'm like, this is weird. This is really weird. Um, and now as an adult, I'm like, this is problematic. <laughs> like, like, I know why this is wrong. <laughs> like, we need to have an animated cat march on Washington. Oh, man, it is, it is something. Um, and like I said, I think that the, the dynamics between Donald Duck, Jose Carioca, and Panchito Pistoles are... Great. I think it's great that there's two really smart, strong Latinos making fun of the dumb American. Like, I love that they're... Except one is constantly smoking a cigar and the other is constantly firing off his guns recklessly. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> there is that. There... Yeah! Yet there's a smack of stereotype to it. I know. You had to bring it down just a little bit. I was trying to make a good point. <laughs> and you just, waha, blew it all to heck. <laughs> I do like that there are, that it's a good, I can't say pairing because there's three of them, but it's, it's a good juxtaposition. Um, but the stereotype does drag it down. And I think as they're going through and hopefully reinventing them with some authenticity, like perhaps not putting them in Spain because that's not where <laughs> they're from. But if they in, inject them with some authentic culture, it's very possible for them to come back and be reinvented. Yeah. 
I would be excited to see that. I generally like the idea of Jose Carioca and his bad dancing. Yes, he he's not quite good. He watching this movie, he felt like more culturally Cuban than Brazilian, but oh well. <laughs> anyway, let's shift gears um, <clears throat> and talk about some of these other movies that happened in this time. Now, you and yes. I watch different movies because I mix up melody time and make mine music. I don't know how you could possibly do that. I feel, I feel like the titles are just so different that there's no way to be like confused. So, there's lots of M's and like musical things involved. <laughs> They're both like anthology movies. There's a lot happening. Um, and I'm looking at your list of make my music shorts, and I feel like there's a lot more shorts in make my music than melody time. <laughs> What's interesting? I mean, make my music was the first movie after. The government-funded South American films. So they did Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros and Make Mine Music. I feel like Make Mine Music was, this is everything we've been working on while we were doing our homework that the government gave us. And then they, like, released it all at once. And they're really, some of them are really short. Some of them are, are two minutes. Some of them are longer, like eight minutes, nine minutes. But... Some of them are just really, really um, boring. Boring. I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know who the audience for Make Mine Music is. Um, mm -hmm. How did you feel about Melody Time? About the same. I was kind of realizing as I was watching it, like, why my, my grandparents who grew up with these movies, uh, when they were very little, like, insisted whenever I stayed with them in the summers. Like, we can only watch... Disney movies that are G-rated uh, because I mean like they were they were fairly religious people and it's not anything wrong with that but Melody Time is a lot of like Christian morality resolutions at the end of its stories then Johnny Appleseed was saved and went to heaven because he was such a good Christian <laughs> there, there's a lot of heaven when people die and I don't know if that's because of animation or if that's a Disney thing, or what. But in Melody Time, there's also, like, they talk about, like, Johnny Upstein carrying his Bible all the time, and, like, the passages he read from it. Well, that's the story of Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, but oh, this, oh, this other ooh. stuff, yeah. I'm okay, sorry, go ahead. this is really, this is a fun fact for our listeners. So, Rebecca Myers, our guest that we had in our episode about Forces of Destiny... Is related to Johnny Appleseed. Huh. How do you know that? She told me. I think she's or probably I mean, lying. How, how does she know that? Well, she's probably not lying. I know. Like, how does one trace their genetic history to Johnny Appleseed? Well, he had a real name. Oh, okay. It wasn't like, it was like a taken name, the Appleseed part. Okay. So... She, she told us on a road trip, and I was like, I think you're making this up. And Then you no. looked it up. Then, then I kind of... Forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Until you said Johnny Appleseed. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> but, but yes, I think there is a little, bit of, bit, a little bit more morality in there, and it does seem like they're playing it safe in a lot of ways. And the whole thing felt like it was going to turn into a satire at any point, and partly... Because whoever the narrator was for Melody Time sounds exactly like, um, 
<laughs> John Lovitz is Jay Sherman. <laughs> so I, I kept expecting Melody Time to turn into like the Jay Sherman, the critic version of this movie. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about ice skating and how it's good for your soul. Like it's the same intonation in like tone and voice the entire time. It's not like Jay Sherman narrating a Disney movie. <laughs> and I dare you to please rewatch it or at least part of it and tell me I'm wrong. Okay, I will have to rewatch it then because I'm just like <laughs> I I have to rewatch it. I'm not sure if Jay Sherman is supposed to be like based off of this or where Jonathan Lovett's got like that iteration of his voice acting, <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> quite fantastic. Um yeah, melody time. I'm looking at my notes. What else is worth talking about? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, there's like a proto Chippendale. Um, there's another unexpected Three Caballeros sequel. It's like, okay, we're not done with this yet. So here's more. Minus Panchito. Just Donald and Jose. And yeah. Jose doesn't really talk. And the Araquan bird. Which, there's, Chris, you do an excellent Araquan impersonation. So I feel like you should demonstrate <laughs> what this is. Thank you. This is the best impression that Chris has ever done. <laughs> well, that and Gurgi. And Gurgi. Right. Pretty well from Black Cauldron. But uh, what's really cool, so blame it on the Samba. It has a train in it, which Jack loved. So it's Jack's favorite <laughs> sequence from <laughs> any of those movies. Like, oh, it's a, there's a the train. train. Yeah, the train with the square wheel. Yeah. That way it gave it a little bit of shaking the caboose, so to speak. Wasn't there also like more live action animation in this sequence, too? There was. It's like, so we're at the point of like, why does this exist? Because it's the (laughs) same thing that happened several years ago. And Melody Time also had Pecos Bill in there, too, which. um, Lots of problems. Yeah. Yeah, what are a couple of the problems that you saw? In- There's lots of shooting and, like, sexism and the whole, like, derriere bouncing moon lady thing. Because, <laughs> yeah, her little... her And racism. Yeah. I like... I mean, it, it tries to take the Pecos Bill and give him a song and show the mythology of Pecos Bill. Who I had no idea who Pecos Bill was until seeing this movie like several nights ago. I think it's just because I'm culturally Ohioan and now Californian. Like I have nothing to do with Texas. Is that like my excuse? I don't know. Do people in Texas know who Pecos Bill is? Was possibly? Is he well, a myth? I don't know. He is a myth. He's um, an American tall tale. And he was played by Patrick Swayze in the film Tall Tale. Where he rolled, he uh, rode a cyclone. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like tall tale, like Pickers Bill and a couple of others. I think Paul Bunyan was in that. They all came together to help a kid in the nineties or eighties. I can't remember. I think it was nineties. I skipped this movie. <laughs> oh, I did too. I'm just telling you. I, I remember it. But um, Make My Music had things that were fun. Like, I think uh, 
The best sequence is probably the Peter and the Wolf sequence. Have you seen the Peter and the Wolf? I think separate? I have seen that separately. It sounds very familiar. I'll need to rewatch it to be sure. But this is something that when you wrote the gnome, like, oh, yeah, Disney's Peter and the Wolf. Like, obviously. Yeah. And why should it? I don't know why it was linked up into this. I mean, it's it it elevates everything else, but not by enough. Like it gets more pulled down than it does the elevating of saying, see, look at this quality stuff. Um, Jack was really interested in the Peter and the Wolf. He was interested a little bit. They were, they did a um, two silhouettes, which was two live action dancers rotoscoped, which if, if people listening to this podcast don't know what that is, it's tracing video. Um, and it's in two ballet dancers in silhouette form. He just liked it because it was dance. Um, but they added like backgrounds and then they were on clouds. And then she throws up her arms and there are stars and sparkles that shoot out of her hands. Stars and sparkles shoot out of her hands. And she does this twirl, and as she's doing this twirl, two animated Cupid characters come down and grab her hands and lift her up so she's higher up in the sky. And it's like, what is happening? Twirly Cupid characters lifting her up into the sky. And it's, it's just, I don't think, they didn't have to. I think it's more interesting when animation doesn't have to rotoscope. I think it's more interesting when they interpret the body, but when they interpret the body, what are you even doing now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make it sound exciting. It also, um, <laughs> I think one of the best parts of melody time, I'm sorry, make my music. <laughs> See, you did it too. <laughs> I, I don't feel as bad now. <laughs> you shouldn't because it's difficult to keep them straight. Oh, <laughs> Is the whale who wanted to sing at the Met. And I don't know if you've seen this, Mackenzie, at all. But does the title tell the entire story? Because <laughs> I feel I, like it does. <laughs> it does a little bit. So it turns out that there's a whale out in the ocean that can sing opera. He starts off singing um, Mama's Little Baby Loves Shortening Bread. That's like where we first meet him singing to seagulls and seals. Mama's little baby loves shortening, shortening. It's like, why is he singing this song? Is this an allegory where the whale is a not white person in the high arts of the U.S.? Possibly, because Titty Tatty, who is the great opera impresario, sees this article in the newspapers about this singing voice, and he turns and he looks at his Bible which is open to the story of Jonah and the whale. And he says, he must have swallowed an opera singer. And, he's, and he says, you know, I found this opera singer here at this one place. I discovered this other opera singer at the honky tonk. I discovered this opera singer here. Why can't I discover an opera singer in the belly of a whale? So he hires people and goes out to save the opera singer that he believes that Willie the Whale has swallowed. And then he becomes serenaded by um, Willie the Whale singing um, Figaro from Barbara of Seville. You know, 
Figaro. And he's like, Figaro qua, Figaro la, Figaro. And he's just doing that. And then he goes underwater. So like, and then he comes back up. Oh, it's really funny. Um, but then he tries to harpoon him because he thinks that like he swallowed an opera singer. Um, but the sailors keep trying to stop him from harpooning the whale because they're like, hey, he's singing. Um, and then you imagine the life that Willie has singing and it does a nice little fun dissolve and you see him like performing and what it's like to have this whale in <laughs> opera house. So he's just like as tall as the theater and he bends over to take his bows and the people are in the rows leaning back in their chairs, uh, trying to applaud him and, he does all these different roles and he's like Mephistopheles and he's um, Pagliani and he's like the crying. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed him as the, the crying clown where he's just weeping, but he's also blowing water out of his blowhole and he's like drowning the orchestra who are in rain suits. And it's just, and then wow. like his, his debut and people are clapping and the seagulls are there and people have their programs on their heads which I didn't understand until now. I'm like, oh man, those seagulls are going to poop on people. And then it cuts to the shot of the opera people in their really nice clothing with the programs on their heads in case the seagulls let loose. And then, <laughs> then at the end, it turns out that was all a dream. And Willie's been harpooned by Titty Tatty and gets <laughs> killed and dies. And that's the end? And then the end is seeing him having a sold-out performance in heaven as an angel. Whale. A whale who's also an angel. Yeah. And How many wings does he have? He has two wings. That doesn't seem like enough. And then and they're, they're pretty small. And, <laughs> and Jack was like, oh, he's an angel now. And then like the gates of heaven are there, and they say sold out. And I would... I would argue that I believe that if it were truly heaven, you wouldn't sell out. There'd be enough room for everyone at the whale's show in heaven. It's like the feeding of the masses with the five fish and the four loaves of bread, except it's the everyone gets to see Katy Perry with just five tickets to the concert. <laughs> except in heaven, you probably wouldn't be going to a Katy Perry concert. You'd be going to see the singing whale. <laughs> I can't wait. I have some, at least one thing to look forward to. <laughs> yes, I'd like to see Willie the Whale, please. <laughs> would you even have to ask for a ticket or would you just walk in? Because I feel like there'd be no lines in heaven. Right. <laughs> wait, I'm in line. Well, I guess this can't if, be heaven. <laughs> if you're, you might be in British heaven then, because you'd be queuing up. That's probably true. <laughs> British heaven has all the lines, and then on the other side of the theater, just Americans walking in. Yes, heaven scramble system. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I, as you can see, these things are not thematically connected. In these anthology series, except in Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros. So if you revisit these, don't watch for any overarching thing. You have to honestly take them separately. Mm -hmm. Each thing 
on its own, as its own, recognizing one, that it's about the technology. There was one that, that was called Without You, which was looking at a tree through a window and there was rain falling on the window and it was like water going down the window and I'm like, oh, I see. They're just practicing this effect for something else is like, <laughs> what it felt like. It's like, I wonder if we can get it because they spent so long on it. So it's effects animation, everybody trying things out, seeing what other animation they could do. But it's These very experimental. They're very pretty. There's not as much to like mine for storytelling, though. Right. So did you, did you have a favorite? I, it's hard to ask, but did you have a favorite thing from anything that you... So, My favorite thing isn't really in these movies. It's just a wish that I want to happen. And I feel like the <laughs> where three gay caballeros were birds of a feather song should become like a RuPaul's Drag Race lip sync for your life. <laughs> That's what I want out of these movies. I'm waiting for that. Okay, I mean, like well, a finale episode where all the drag queens get together and have to sing that song. Should we tweet that to RuPaul? And <laughs> Dear see? RuPaul. No, Disney would never go for that. Are you sure, though? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have a favorite thing? My favorite thing is probably in The Three Caballeros, where it's during the title song, and Jose and Panchito are singing... And Donald's not singing, of course, because, you know, Donald sounds like a duck and the others have beautiful singing voices. And they're they're singing and they they put their hands out and guitars appear for them. And Donald puts his, his hand out and it's like a trumpet and it changes and he can't get it right. And the closest thing he gets to is a giant string bass. And so <laughs> then he tries to hold that and do the same choreography as the others do with their guitars. And he's just like, I just can't get this right. And, you know, culturally, he will never be like them. It will always be different. And he could play the part as much as he wants to, but he won't be of them. It's It's not about being the same. It's about celebrating our differences together as gay caballeros. (laughs) <laughs> hashtag duck washing controversy 2017 <laughs> I guess the 2017 duck washing 1943 <laughs> 44 545 duck washing 1945 <laughs> awesome should we um, now that we've gotten through this should we discuss our homework time So next time, four writers get animated. We're going to talk about something else experimental and technology related. Netflix is doing these sort of um, interactive story animated things. (laughs) That's the best word I've I've found to come up to describe them yet. Um, So definitely for next time, watch on Netflix. Um, I didn't write it down. Puss in Boots, Trapped in an Epic Tale, or something I, like that. No, no, no. It's Puss in Books. 
Puss in Books. Yes, that's what it's called. That's what it's called. So, um, Puss in Book, Trapped in an Epic Tale. Okay, so on Netflix. Watch that. Um, And you also can optionally, and I probably recommend higher, watch Buddy Thunderstruck colon The Baby Pile. Okay. Yeah, this is the only time I recommend Buddy Thunderstruck over something else. As always, we want to say thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our engineer, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on the web and tweet at us about how you love these forgotten movies of the Disney era, question mark, uh, at WG Animated on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash WG Animated, and you can find all of our show notes and links to all the insanity that you didn't think was real from these movies on writersgetanimated.tumblr.com. Yes, we will post as much as we can so you can live having seen these. Or not. You don't or have not. to. It's optional. Yeah, make your choice. Live your life. Be <laughs> who, hashtag be yourself. Good night, everybody. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-